It's Tuesday, January 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, Mark Reith, and from Motley Fool Supernova and Rule Breakers, David Kretzman. Thanks for being here, gents. It's a Thanks snow day. I shouldn't be us. here at all. Uh, that's why I'm Come thanking on. you for being here, because we do have snow here in the D.C. area, and uh, schools, in some cases, opening late. Like, roads a little treacherous, because little. you know, while it's not a ton of snow, this is just one of those parts of the country where there ain't a ton of snow plows. There's not. It's a classic supply. They really and don't prepare here. Well, nor should they. <laughs> there's not. There's not a ton of of snow to be had. Uh, a lot of our colleagues are not in the office today. A lot of our technical people who are often on the other side of the glass are not here today. But fortunately, our man Mac Greer Woo! stepping up, and he is behind the glass, and that is appropriate. It is appropriate that Matt Greer is here on this day because it was on this day four years ago mm-hmm. that Market Foolery debuted. No, so, yes. no. So, here we go. Here we go. Wow. And there, there is no cake. So no. just in case, um, we're going to talk restaurants. We're going to talk fashion, retail. But let's start in the world of tech and online. AOL shares of AOL rising on reports that Verizon. Has apparently contacted AOL about a potential joint venture. What do you think, Mark? Is this does this because Verizon is the much larger of the two companies? Much first, much larger. Does this make sense for Verizon? Absolutely. So and yes, just to your point, AOL's market cap today four billion dollars. Verizon's market cap one hundred ninety four billion dollars. Okay, so a little bit larger. Uh, Verizon could actually buy AOL outright if they want to. But story is they might have a joint venture going. And by the way, it is a might right now. Bloomberg, it's all rumors, speculation right now. Some people close to the source. But one thing that has been knocked down is a straight out acquisition. Right. Because early right. reports were it could be a joint venture, it could be an acquisition. Joint venture joint. makes a lot more sense too. Uh, it's understandable. So for Verizon, this makes a lot of sense uh, when you think of it in light of its competition. So AT and T is currently merging or, or buying up Directv, uh, and they're creating this video online subscription service. We don't know what it's going to look like when it's going to roll out eventually, but it's coming down the line. Just because the trend, uh, the way people like me, millennials, I don't have cable, but I do have the Netflix, I do have the Hulu, I do have the HBO Go. I watch TV on my laptop or I connect it to my TV in my apartment. It's just that's the the trend these days. And AT&T saw that and said, all right, DirecTV, they have a great streaming service. We're going to connect that with our internet service. Bada bing, bada boom. A lot of synergy there. Makes a lot of sense. For Verizon, they haven't had anything like that. Sure, Verizon has their Fios streaming service, but they don't have a good way to to monetize that. And this, this deal with AOL, this joint venture, could be the path to that because AOL has what we're calling ad, uh, excuse me, programmatic ad buying, which I don't know if you guys have ever heard of. It's a mouthful. It's very technical. What it really comes down to is instead of me and a salesperson getting together and hashing out a deal for advertising, it's an algorithm. It's it's uh, just a computer program where. If I watch a TV show enough, then the computer program knows that millennials are watching this TV show, and you should pay this much for this ad at this time, and blah, blah, blah. It streamlines everything. So, if Verizon has access to something like that, and they create their own video streaming service, well, then they've got the ads knocked out of the park right there, and advertising, that I mean, that's where all the money is. It's not content. Content's not king. Advertising for the content is king. So for Verizon, this makes a lot of sense. So what is when you look at the universe of content that AOL has, what stands out as the most attractive for advertisers? 
because they do have a lot of content. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it, it's funny. People think, uh, Mac was just saying before we started the show, AOL, they're still around? <laughs> they are still around in, in, a, in a big way. It's easy to forget. It's easy to forget. <laughs> and it, it's the only reason we really forget is because there are other big names ahead of AOL right now. You look at their, uh, their network, they have a whole bunch of different websites. They have HuffPo and TechCrunch and all these websites that you probably know of, but you probably don't know they all belong to AOL. And so AOL actually has 200 million monthly visitors, uh, unique monthly visitors. That's only behind Google, Yahoo, and Facebook. AOL has the biggest online video service besides YouTube. It's not a small company. The $4 billion market cap, sure, it sounds small in comparison to, say, Google or even Verizon, but you got to remember AOL. That's because it actually is small in comparison. Well, it is. To okay, it is Verizon. small in comparison. But you got to remember AOL was, was early to the scene and they have, uh, they have more clout than you would think. So the properties that AOL have, uh, yes, actually, it makes a lot of sense in that light as well for Verizon. When you've got the second biggest video platform online besides YouTube, yeah, that knock it out of the park. And if you can connect that with your your broadband service, your internet service, create some sort of video streaming platform like Verizon probably will, and Directed TV and AO, uh, AT&T are probably doing. It makes a lot of sense, David. If if you're looking at AOL as a potential investor, certainly the type of deal that we're talking about here that that has to be, if not number one on the list for catalysts, you know, reasons to buy the stock. It's probably cracking the top three or so. Um, does as an investor, does something like that interest you? Do you do you ever look at stocks and think, okay, this is a stock that, from a valuation standpoint, is not all that expensive? And you know what? If it is a joint venture or someone else comes in and makes a godfather offer and buys them outright, then yeah, they're they're going to pay a little bit of a premium, and I'm going to get a nice pop out of that. Does that does that interest you? Me personally, not really, but we do have investors at the Fool, and there are plenty of investors out there who look at those special situation uh, type of investments. But here, I think this somewhat validates that AOL does have some valuable, um, you know, some valuable projects, some valuable technology. Digital advertising still only makes up about a third of the total uh, marketing spend, so there's still a lot of room to grow, and you're seeing pretty consistent growth in digital advertising. And AOL has that platform for digital advertising, which might be of interest to Verizon. I think it's worth noting that um, CN- CNBC just reported maybe like 30 minutes ago that uh, Verizon CEO says the discussions aren't accurate about Verizon and AOL potentially partnering. So we'll see where this goes. Hmm. But I think any company that's involved in digital... I thought, I thought the quote I saw was that the CEO said the, the reports of the acquisition... Aren't we're not. Oh, maybe but, that's but it. But that the right. the the potential like joint, venture, earlier, joint venture might it's be. It's all rumors right now. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But it's moving so much today. We had to talk about it. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, it, it does somewhat validate that AOL has some valuable properties. I think digital advertising. It's a critical space. I think the fact that it's still only a third of total marketing spend shows there's a lot of opportunity there. So I, I say AOL is an interesting situation. Not one that I'm personally going to jump on. And by the way, God bless CEO Tim Armstrong over at AOL. He came in in 2000. And he saw this coming. Like you said, digital advertising, it's the way of the future. There's still so much room to grow. AOL has been so focused on this area, more so than a lot of the other companies out there. It's really become a one-stop shop for digital advertising, and that's going to position them so well going forward. Number two video platform behind YouTube? I didn't know That's it either. Crazy. 200 million monthly users. I think you, went a, I think you win a bar bet with that <laughs> Mac one. Mackie's throwing up his arms. He doesn't even know. 
Shares of El Pollo Loco up this morning after the stock got its second upgrade in two days. Uh, Jeffries and Company and Baird Equity Research uh, giving the upgrades. David, this was a hot IPO last summer. Are the upgrades based entirely or mostly on the valuation of the stock? Because it was a hot IPO, but the stock has come down since then. Yeah, so the hot IPO aspect lasted about a month, and the stock went down about like 46% after the company reported uh, third quarter earnings. So the stock it topped out around $41, uh, I think around August. It, it, it had gone public around $24 a share. And now, even after the upgrades the past couple of days, it's just at $21. So you can see. The stock hasn't really been uh, received very well after that the IPO, but I think there is something to El Pollo Loco. What I what I like to look at with restaurants is free cash flow. What free cash flow measures is how much cash does a business have left over after opening new restaurants, maintaining restaurants, how much cash do they have left over to put on the balance sheet or reinvest in growth. A lot of these restaurant IPOs that we saw in the past couple of years like Noodles and Company, Potbelly, they didn't actually they still don't have positive free cash flow. So for me as an investor, as an analyst, I sort of see that as a red flag like how strong is this business that the current restaurants aren't generating enough cash to invest in future restaurants. But El Pollo Loco actually is free cash flow positive. Uh, but the stock is still kind of pricey. So even after, you know, getting Hit more than forty percent the past few months. The PE still forty. The company's growing sales around nine percent. Same store sales or comparable restaurant sales are growing pretty nicely, but the company isn't growing very quickly right now. So I don't see this as a fast growth restaurant stock. Definitely not the next Chipotle, but there are some things to like here. Yesterday, Taylor Muckerman made his reckless prediction for twenty fifteen that he believes the Bojangles IPO will be huge. We got a comment on. Twitter from Michael Morell, who wrote, I knew Taylor Muckerman would have my back on the Bojangles IPO. Get Chris Hill and Jason Moser to the Bojangles at Union Station Stat. I didn't know there was one in the DC area, oh, so now, yeah. we, now we got now we got to check it out. I'm there. Sticking with the restaurants, there's talk, uh, I think even before the Bojangles IPO, Shake Shack mm-hmm. is going to be going public. Um, Mark, we were talking earlier this morning, am I crazy to think that despite what you hear all the time about Restaurants being a very tough business to succeed in. Mm-hmm. Am I crazy to think that some of these might actually work out for investors? If it's a Shake Shack investment, I'm in. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, no, no, no. For companies like, well, okay, Shake Shack is a unique company in that they don't have nearly as many locations as, say, a Bojangles does or an El Pollo Loco, even. Uh, but the smaller footprint leaves a lot of room for expansion. And you got to admit, people around here, they love their Shake Shack. Maybe they don't know a Bojangles so well, but if you can. I don't know if you can capitalize on the love. Like we were talking about Dunkin' Donuts a couple of weeks ago. You know, Dunkin' Donuts, it's a huge brand. People know it, but they don't have any locations out west. If you can capitalize on that love and with that room to run, I, I see a Dunkin' Donuts doing pretty well. I see a Shake Shack doing pretty well because of the same for the same reason. Or if an In N Out burger went public. Oh. Oh boy. Oh my. I, I think Obviously, leadership matters no matter what the business is, but it, it, it kind of seems like it matters just slightly more. Because hmm. I think about a company like Buffalo Wild Wings, Sally Smith, the longtime CEO, right. and, and you, you, can, you can look at that company and the way, it, despite occasional dips in performance and therefore the stock here and there, over time, that's just been such a winner. Oh, she and thinks I, long-term. Well, she, she's one of the best. And I, I, 
you know, as, as someone who's a big fan of Dunkin' Donuts, I look at the expansion opportunity in the western half of the United States as both the blessing and the curse for that <laughs> for that company and that stock. Where right. it's like, yes, it is the opportunity, but only if you have the leadership to execute against it. So I don't know. I I I, I think I don't know Shake Shack's leadership actually. That's a, that's a very fair point. You know, I don't know no. Shake Shack. No. You know what? I think we should go to Shake Shack. <laughs> And Let's just test sit it down. out. Test it out. You yeah. know, take one, take a time out. In advance you know. of the IPO. Right, right. I think part of it, too, is that investors have sort of been spoiled over the past 10 years with Chipotle and Buffalo Wild Wings. So you're seeing a lot of restaurant IPOs now. But like I mentioned, even the hot IPOs, they don't actually have numbers that you know speak very well uh, to investors. But El Pollo Loco, they do have strong numbers. The question is really, can they expand outside of California and Southwest, where they have about 400 locations now? But unless they're expanding and opening new restaurants, and those restaurants are also performing well, there's not a whole lot to, to like here, especially from a valuation perspective. But if they can expand outside of you know California and the Southwest, then it would be an intriguing opportunity. Well, that's one more thing I think to look at when you're evaluating leadership is what is the plan not just for expansion, but how are we going to go about executing that plan? Chipotle dabbled in franchising for a short amount of time and decided, <laughs> out of there. this ain't for us, <laughs> right. and, and quickly bought back so it's completely owned by the company. Right. And I think that you know that's you can expand quickly with the franchising, but you got to make sure everyone is operating. Yeah, if you don't have that consistent vision, then uh, it leaves a lot to, to question over the long run. Hmm. Finally, fashion retailer Coach is buying Stuart Weitzman, a privately held luxury shoe company, for $574 million. Mark, you look at how Coach has performed over the last year. The stock down about 34%, trailing the market by, what, another another 10% on top of that. And is something like this going to help Coach in its battle with the likes of Kate Spade and Michael Kors? It's not going to hurt. But then again, not much could hurt it much more than it has been. Man, 34% in the last year. That's crazy. Ouch. So, you look at this last year, Coach uh, had sales of $4.8 billion. 55% of that came from women's handbags. Only 9% came from uh, stuff like jewelry, footwear, gloves, scarves, hats. Stuart Weitzman is a very, very popular shoemaker right now. I don't know if you've heard of The It Shoe no. or The Trendsetter. Stuart Weitzman shoes. They're okay. on the A-listers. They're on the red carpets everywhere. Uh, he's very hot right now. Coach is getting them for a deal, too. Something like $530 million in cash. Uh, a couple of bonuses later on could total $574 million. Coach has the cash to afford that, which is great. Uh, is this going to turn everything around? No. Because it's just not big enough. Uh, Stuart Weitzman only had, what was it, uh, $300 million in net revenue uh, at the end of 2014. But they're growing. They're growing by 10% every year, and it it continues to be a very hot item right now. I love that Coach is diversifying. I love that they're getting away from handbags. Finding something hot for a good price like this is a great start. Is this... um, How do I put this? (laughs) I'm not disputing the move to acquire this luxury shoemaker mm. and this is this is a high as from what little I've been able to glean this is a very high end this is a very expensive shoe oh yeah um, but it seems like beyond being a good move particularly if they can just expand this line and plug it into all of their stores and mm. sales channels I, I I don't dispute that but it also seems a little bit like yet another admission that coach made a mistake mm. 
to expand to the mass market when once upon a time it was a luxury brand. Right. And you hit the nail on the head. Uh, down 34% over the last year. It's because of the warehouses, because of the sales. Uh, they're just they're not giving away their stuff, but compared to the prices that they used to sell at, the the high market value, it just it's insane how they're selling. And you see actually today Coors is down a little bit. They got downgraded because they were kind of doing the same thing. Uh, not not in the same uh, not as much as Coach, and that Coach made it their business model. But Coors has been expanding so rapidly that their inventory had trouble keeping up. And then, expansion kind of slowed down, inventory overtook, now they had to sell everything at a, at a markdown prices, and suddenly the stock is taking a hit, and analysts don't like that. Coach had that going for all of last year, and it just it, it killed them. It crushed them. Uh, I agree. This is an admission of fault. Uh, I think Coach's Maybe getting back to its roots with a little higher priced items. It remains to be seen, like you said, if they plug them into all their their channels and their their warehouses and their outlets. Man, if they start marking these down as well, then I don't know. That could that could be very bad news for Coach. But if they keep it, if they try to try to recover their brand a little bit, Stuart Weitzman, like we said, very popular, very hot right now. Keep it a high a high value. Could be okay. One of the reasons uh, Matt Greer is behind the glass today is uh, Dan Boyd, who's usually behind the glass, is out in Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show. Mm. Uh, and sticking with the fashion theme, Mark, you were saying there's oh, yes. there's an item on display because the CES every year has got gadgets, mm -hmm. cutting edge gadgets. gadgets Last boy. year, uh, a lot of drones. Um, there's one in particular that caught your eye this year, and it's in the fashion realm. It is a smart belt that knows when you are getting fat, not just or, you know over the course <laughs> yeah. of, of time, over the course of a day. So you have a big meal, you go to Five Guys for a research trip to see if their their IPO is going to be great or not. You get a little larger you know, over the course of the afternoon, and this belt uh, senses that, and will it's called Belty, by the way, and will expand with you while still providing you the support you need to keep your jeans on and fitting very nicely. The way of the future, my friends. This is a game changer. Whatever company makes that belt, I think we just automatically invest in it. No question. <laughs> yeah, sight unseen. I don't care. Yeah, especially with a name like the Belty. Of I course, mean, nailed it. How how is this not just sweatpants? Why like why aren't you just like if that's what you need? Why aren't you just getting sweatpants? It's all about wearables, Chris. Everyone knows that. All right. Enough about the wrists and the the watches and all that. It's around the waist. We will end there. Mark Reese, David Kretzman, thanks for being here, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That is going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you for another four years. Four years.